I thought I would kick off November with a special part two episode. So first of all, if you haven't already, you should consider scrolling back to season four, episode nine, and listen to the episode with Ryan Raditz. In Ryan's episode, he discusses a TV drama he wrote, highlighting the story of the Spartanburg, South Carolina girl rangers. For even more details, check out the article, The Lost Legend of the Girl Rangers by Outside Magazine, which I will link in the show notes. Today, Girl Ranger Betsy Teeter joins the show to bring the story to life and share her experience as part of the very first expedition of all-female youth that trekked at Philmont in June of 1973. Be sure to stick around for the end, because Betsy's 11th essential and the way she describes it puts it in my top five favorite of 11th essentials. I'll leave it at that and let Betsy share the rest. Thanks for being here. Let's hike on. Good to meet you. I'm Caitlin. Nice to see you, too. Nice to see yeah. you, too. Where are you, Caitlin? So I'm in Iowa, just north of Des Moines. Okay. Nice. Where are you coming from today? Spartanburg, South Carolina. Okay. Fantastic. This episode sort of piggybacks on the episode I did with Ryan Raditz, uh, and we're mutual friends now. And so thank you so much for yeah, considering hopping on the podcast here to chat about the lost legend of the Girl Rangers and um, your experience at Philmont and in the Scouts and all of that good stuff. So let's see, where do you want to start? Do you want to just kind of introduce yourself and give a little backstory? You know, I was um, an early member of the Girl Rangers and from Spartanburg, South Carolina. I'm a former journalist and a former book publisher, now retired. I took some notes here mostly from, I read the article in Outside Magazine uh, about the Girl Rangers and kind of the basis for the story, the script that Ryan Raditz was putting together at one point, which I still think would be a great show. So I would watch it if it comes to fruition someday. Uh, And so let's see, basically in the 1970s in Spartanburg, South Carolina, a group of I believe it was four girls approached a Boy Scout troop and said, you know, we want to be a part of this. And there was a gentleman then, the scoutmaster or a leader, George Withers, who uh, initially said, you know, well, girls, girls can't join. And then he said, you know, why don't you kind of form your own like shadow explorer group and and become the Girl Rangers? Is that how the story began? Yeah, that's it. Were you a part of that original, those original four girls that approached the troop, or did you join later? No, I was not one of the original four. I guess I was barely 12 years old at that time. Uh, I joined when I was 14, which would have been about two years in. What was the experience like? Were who Did you have adult female leaders, or was it just run by the girls? Um, we had a male leader named George Withers, who was in charge of the Boy Scouts uh, in Spartanburg. And I hope you'll ask me questions about George Withers, because he was a, a character like no other. 
And uh, there were usually some female chaperones that they corralled into coming. Uh, but a lot of the girls' mothers were not set up to be hiking mountains and paddling rivers. So sometimes it was hard to find those female uh, chaperones to go with us. But we, we had a, a capable, crazy leader named George Withers. And um, the Girl Rangers, you know, began with those four girls. And, and within a couple of months, there were 50 or 60 girls involved. So uh, when I came in, it was very active, and uh, there were about four different schools that were, the girls belonged to several schools, so we didn't know each other. It wasn't like a whole bunch of friends just uh, knew each other. So that, that was fun for me, to find a whole new group of girls. Forgive me if I'm, like, overly excited. I'm just so passionate about this story. I think it's really interesting because back in October of 2018, was when, you know, the BSA officially said we're going to accept girls and break down these gender barriers. But really, you guys did that, you know, 50 some years ago. So I, I think it's awesome to get on here and just highlight the history and that that part of the bigger picture. Was there pushback at all from these, you know, all these girls in these four different schools? Or was it just kind of like, all right, you know, there's the girl section and the boy section of Scouts now? You know, it was 1970, 1972, uh, the women's movement was was happening nationally. Um, there were a lot of other barriers going down. Schools integrated in Spartanburg that year. It was just a lot of change. And um, while many of the girls like I, like I had, my, you know, my mother didn't work. And we were a group of girls coming up in a generation where we had bigger dreams for ourselves. So, uh, and the Girl Rangers, of course, was a place where you could be yourself as a, you know, whoever you were, you could be yourself in the Girl Rangers. So uh, there was not really any pushback. There certainly wasn't from my family. They encouraged me to, uh, to go out and do all the fun things we did, like paddle all the rivers and climb the mountains and ride the horses up the mountains. And, you know, if any of your listeners are interested, that's uh, just Google um, the Lost Legend of the Girl Rangers, and, and all this good background stuff shows up. Do you believe that kind of going back to George, was he, did he kind of spear that attitude and that energy? Was he like that from the beginning? Um, I think he was, from what I have learned from the girls who were there before I was, and, and I've done a few interviews with them since then, he was a little skeptical about it in the beginning. And certainly once he got us all out on the trails, uh, he learned that many times the girls, you know, 14-year-old girls were every bit as capable as 18-year-old guys. So, um, and he was a very good-natured guy. Uh, in his, He was born in 1916, and he was sort of a town comedian, entertainer, uh, ringleader. He weighed all of 115 pounds at almost six feet. So he had this sort of body like a praying mantis. And, <laughs> uh, he got into hiking early. He was, uh, you know, our early summer camper in the 1920s, climbing the mountains in the Smokies. And then once he got into his 30s, he began hiking again, opening hiking clubs for the community, and then ultimately got into scouts. And then he had all these girls show up and uh, 
he really liked that because he he loved to draw media attention. He loved publicity stunts. He was always getting us in the paper, uh, letting the reporters come with us on our trips to make sure we could get the full accounts uh, in the newspaper. So, um, you know, he knew how to command attention from from a, a young boy. And uh, so the Girl Rangers were well known in, in Spartanburg during those years. Do you recall, like, just if, if there's a fun story here, possibly, do you recall some of those early first trips? You know, you mentioned like paddling rivers and hiking mountains and being on horseback. Um, we did a lot of sections of the Appalachian Trail. And um, I was in at least three years. And so we, in sections, we did everything from the end of it in, in Georgia all the way to the Virginia border. Mr. Withers was... Uh, very good at getting us lost. Uh, he, he, would say, uh, he would say, you're never lost if you could get out the same way you came, came in. I, I remember uh, getting on a hike and it was snowing and we ended up having to take shelter in a church and we were sleeping on the pews. Got, things were, you know, there was no GPS back in those days. And uh, we would get out on the rivers. Uh, we would do like three night, two and three night canoe trips in, in the rivers in South Carolina. And, you know, he didn't know where we were going to camp. And it was very swampy. I remember one trip, it was super swampy. And we pulled our boats up. It was dark. And there were snakes dropping out of the trees. One landed in our canoe. <sighs> And you know the water came up at, at night. You know we had all kind of crazy, uh, crazy uh, trips that were sort of well prepared, but not necessarily. Talk about resilience, because that could you know scare a certain personality away if that wasn't your your thing. But you guys at a young age really learned how to you know make it happen and be flexible and um, built a lot of character. <laughs> <laughs> we did build character, and um, you know, it, it. We felt like we had something to prove. You know, uh, we were women doing it in a field that was traditionally male, and uh, there were lots of us and lots of different personalities, and uh, we were proving to the world that women could do this kind of thing in the early seventies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, speaking of being in a field that was previously traditionally male dominant. I believe Ryan mentioned that you guys, you know, had some trials and tribulations finding gear because most of it was uh, suited for men. Uh, yeah, there there are some great stories in those early days of the girls trying to find boots and they'd have to buy little boy boots. Uh, they were using their father's backpacks from the Korean War and they were huge, you know. In the early days, we had these little blow-up orange tents that uh, just basically filled up with water when it rained. Um, so, you know, that the the gear had not really been invented back there. So we were we were making do. We had sleeping bags, but sometimes those sleeping bags were like Korean War gear, and they were very heavy. You also came up with your own uni uniform. Do you want to share about that a little bit? Yeah, the Girl Rangers, we were, in the early days, we were not in the Boy Scout troop. We were the, sort of this thing in between Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. 
And the early members of the troop um, decided that we would wear blue tracksuits. And we had a sporting goods store in town called Crutchfield. So all the girls went over there and you, you got your sweatpants and your little blue zip up white stag jacket and a white shirt underneath it. You know, we had patches. We had the, we, had, we designed, they designed a girl ranger patch that said God country girl rangers. Yeah, I think so. And in a flag, um, we were not, the Boy Scouts would, about a year and a half in, the Boy Scouts actually let us become Boy Scouts, I think. But um, they would not let us compete for the e- for, for the Eagle Award. And they also wouldn't let us get the badges. But we got the badges anyway. They, you know, we were walking around wearing Boy Scout badges and 50 milers and stuff like that, even though the Boy Scouts wouldn't let us really have them. April 1971, BSA Explorers went co-ed. So that would have made you guys, the Girl Rangers, the, the first all-female troop in the nation. Correct. <laughs> we just waltzed in as a group of 50. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we've done all this work, you know, here we are. Did you, do you have siblings? Did it like, did your sisters or brothers, were they involved in this with you? Um, my brother was four years younger and he became a boy scout under George Withers boys troop. And, uh, he did almost all the things I did, uh, you know, four years later. Okay. So you preceded him. Um, what is the troop number? Do you remember this troop in troop one, troop one? Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's perfect because you were, you guys were the first to do many things. Did it carry on in that regard? And I assume it's still active today. Um, the Girl Rangers eventually petered out. Uh, Mr. Withers was in his 60s and um, slowing down a little bit. And when when George Withers left, um, it didn't last much longer after him. You know, he was the glue that was that was holding it all together. And I think it uh, by the mid mid 80s, it was gone. So did George help you guys in, so in June of 1973, you guys became the first all-female expedition to trek at Philmont Scout Ranch. Was he pretty active in getting you guys out there? Um, That was sort of a dream of his. You know, once the Girl Rangers uh, were established, he was definitely going to get us to Philmont. So he worked his magic and rented the big bus and yeah, I think there were about 25 of us. I, I was 14, and um, we we rode the, the bus, Greyhound bus or whatever it was, all the way across the country and showed up at Philmont on June 15th, 1973. And, um, you know, I have some vague memories of that. Um, I, and I was able to find uh, one of our guides, who was a guy named Dennis Gilpin. And Dennis had kept a journal while we were there. So I, I have what he wrote uh, while we were there. I, I liked uh, a friend of mine, Maggie Miller described it as, you know, it was like a giraffe moving around Philmont that everywhere we went, people came out to witness what was happening. So I thought that was funny. Do you have any other tidbits from his journals? Well, when he wrote me an email, he said, when rereading the journal, I was reminded of how unprepared everyone at Philmont seemed to be to handle an all-female group. I was also reminded how 
at how bowled over I was at the frenetic energy of a bunch of teenage girls. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's well written. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have the uh, the so there the you know, the itinerary went from Lover's Leap to Miner's Park to Clark's Fork and beyond, with a side hike to the Tooth on the third day. Um, we ultimately went up Baldy. I think we hit some snow flurries, and some of the girls were just wiped out, and we did not quite make it all the way to Baldy, which I remember being very disappointed about. Um, but uh, Dennis says the girls were in the spotlight, and they knew it. We got special treatment at every stop. Uh, we we ended up, at, I guess, at the miners' camp with. Um, a reporter and a photographer from Exploring Magazine were there, um, and they were covering covering us, and uh, that was kind of neat. Like, do you recall personally what, like, how do you feel like all of this affected you going forward and, and grew you? I know that my experience uh, gave me an enormous amount of confidence. Um, and something about being around George Withers, who, while we completely respected his authority, we laughed at him a lot. He was a funny guy and he got us lost and uh, we made fun of him. And it, it was this weird dynamic of, hey, you know, we're women and we're smart enough to take care of ourselves in the woods. And, and you know, our leader over here is occasionally a goofball and uh i it it just it really taught us who we were and um we were always pushing each other and i think as a generation of of women uh who came of age in the early 70s it was a it was kind of about pushing each other uh, to do bigger and better and harder things are you still in touch with some of those women Absolutely. Um, I went hiking with my canoe partner just a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, yes, several of them remain good friends. Um, others of them I have reached out to um, over the last couple of years. Everybody knows, still knows everybody. Yeah. Did you guys go to any other of the, the high adventure bases that the BSA owned at the time? We did not, but we, with Girl Rangers, once a month, we went somewhere and, uh, you know, you would show up at the bus like on a Friday morning at 5 a.m. and you would throw your pack underneath there and uh, we would head off into the mountains. And uh, I, I remember riding in the luggage rack. I was a tiny little girl and we, we rode in the luggage rack and we sang constantly. We just sang and sang and sang. So this was happening once a month for, you know, for, for the three years, certainly for the three years I was there. So, um, you know, we were involved in other things like sports and teams and things like that. So uh, it, we, we were a mounted troop because Mr. Withers wanted us to be a mounted troop. And we had a, a riding stable that once a week we would go out and we would ride the horses and in the formations and weave in and out of each other with horses. And, and that was a big part of it too. And then we would um, have our regular meetings one night. I guess it was one night a week. Yeah. We met at a church. And so all the girls would come in and, 
and run the meetings. And, you know, uh, we ran little bake sales and things to raise our, our money to help pay for things. So we saw a lot of each other. This needs to be a show. <laughs> um, what Do you remember some of the songs you would sing? Just like kind of camp tunes or stuff that was popular? It was mostly camp tunes. Um, we had a nickname for Mr. Withers. Uh, they called him Prune. Sometimes he was mistaken for Jacques Cousteau. He had this sort of wrinkled up tan face with his hair swept back. And... Um, there was a song that was based on a song called We Love Our Weenie Man. And we sang, we love our pruny man. He has a pruny tan. And I don't remember the rest of it, but that was, <laughs> that was one of the songs we sang. Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of camp tunes, you know. Yeah. I had a good job, but I left. You're right. You know, military stuff, you know, yeah. all kind of crazy things like that. But it was con- consistent set- singing from the moment we left Sparkburg. Yeah. <laughs> And I believe in the article, it mentioned that you were the scribe. And then you mentioned, you know, here today that you're a retired uh, journalist. So do you feel like maybe there was some influence there? You started out as the scribe and then you kind of went on to do that as a career. I I know that that's where my career came from. Yeah. Um, Every year we had officers. And and so one year I was the scribe. And when you were the scribe, you would come home and and I would... uh, pull out my little blue typewriter and type up everything that happened. And then the, at the next meeting, you got to stand up in the front and, and read what you'd written. So that, that was really fun. Did you guys do campfires every evening? Was that a thing too? Just kind of sit around the fire? Um, yes, I'm sure we did that. Um, we also, everybody brought their own little stove though. And um, we would like, we would freeze a steak at home and throw it in the backpack and, you know, it would, thaw during the day and you would cook it on your little stove or, or whatever, you know, frozen, the frozen camp food was just becoming available about that time. You know, the frozen ice cream that you would just pop in your mouth. And I mostly remember cooking around the little fires, the little um, stoves. Yeah. So you guys had to pack all your own food as well. So did you just like, yeah, go to the grocery store the night before and make a menu or did every individual girl have her own plan? Well, you learn from the other girls. You know, you would go on a trip and you'd say, oh, man, she's got something that I've never seen before. That's a new brand. So then you would go get that. Some of the girls had older brothers, of course, who were scouts. So they were sort of feeding some information into the group that we might not otherwise have had. Again, kind of going back to the article, you mentioned, you know, for a while you were, you know, seeking out the notes and you found them, uh, I believe it was George Withers relative got them to you, like uh, all your journals. And uh, was that the writing you had done? That was the story. As I, as I decided to write the piece for Outside Magazine, I knew that if we could find those scribe reports, um, that they would be an enormous amount of information. So um, I began looking for them and I'm looking for them at the Boy Scout office and looking for them at the church. And uh, ultimately, I reached out to one of George Weather's daughters. I think I, you know, used some of my investigative reporter skills and figured out where she was and I left her a phone message. And then after a long time, she called me back and said, there's a box of things up in my attic that she had actually tried to mail it to the Boy Scouts and it had come back to her and she just stuffed it in her attic. So she said, I will send it to you. And it 
it did arrive. It was the year after I was the scribe or the three years after I was the scribe. But there was a pretty thorough account of about two years of my life in, in the Grow Rangers. And that was very exciting to find. Yeah. Was there anything there that surprised you or you, you hadn't remembered? A lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't looked at them in, in the last year or so. I can't remember exactly what was in there. But, you know, all the girls' lives just really came came back to life. Um, and the other thing we did was when we would finish a trip and load back on the bus, uh, a notebook would go around and every girl would write some reflection on the trip. And so all those were there, uh, you know, in their original handwriting and all that good stuff of, you know, us making fun of each other and ourselves and Mr. Withers and uh, all the good times we had. And, and, you know, maybe we were disappointed we hadn't made it as far as we wanted to make it, or we were making fun of the girls that didn't come. But, uh, you know, all of, all of that is, is there. And it's actually going to go to the um, historical archive at the Spartanburg County Public Library. Um, I'm glad it's going to have a home and maybe someone will discover your podcast a hundred years from now and then know where to go find all this stuff. Yeah. Tie it all together. I am not a journalist, but I do love to journal. I've, I've written since I could write or I've journaled since I could write, you know, my first journal, like it's like, you know, pictures with a few letters here and there. But, um, I think that's beautiful that, that, um, those survived and you found them. So you know, thank you for doing that work. And I'm glad they'll have a home, like you said. That's very cool oral and written history to um, to treasure. You Oh, you did mention in our email that you had done a couple interviews or, or met with some of the women. Um, was there anything there specifically you wanted to share or touch on? And I, I have this interest that, you know, maybe, maybe it, it is worth... Um, interviewing more of the girls to maybe put together a book one day. Um, I, I toy with that and, and I've made some starts and then stops and then starts and stops. But along the way, I've had a, a good opportunity to um, reach out to some girls I haven't talked to in 40, 50, 40 years. And um, a lot of them have better, better memories than I do, which is great. You know, at the, there's a, a friend named Ann Altman who I hadn't talked to in forever. And she's, I think she's a Presbyterian minister somewhere in the mid Midwest. And um, I asked her, what does she remember from Philmont? And she said um, there was the really beautiful, the most beautiful girl on the trip was a girl named Felicia Charles. And when these photographers showed up at the minor miners camp to uh, record the arrival of the girl Rangers, you know, that Felicia came out of her tent and she looked like a model and the photographers and the journalists were like, oh, let's go interview her. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and um, Anne said that um, that while we were waiting for the bus to uh, pick us up at the end, you know, we'd made it, I don't know, what's it, six or seven days and we, we were pretty dirty and tired and uh, we were sitting there waiting for the bus to come and the bus pulls up and it's full of guys. And, um, that these guys got out and said, man, we heard there were girls in the camp and look, they drove us right to them. <laughs> oh yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah. I talked to a lot of the girls about um, what 
you know, what the experience meant to them, how it affected them. And, and you know, uh, one of them, uh, Missy Johnson said, you know, we weren't really the girly girls. And um, Maggie said, you know, we were, we were the girls who were not the, the most popular girls or the social girls. Um, and that's why it was so great for us to, to uh, find this, this sisterhood uh, that we did. And uh, so that was good. It was good to hear that, you know, from them that the confidence they gained through through this experience, this adventure experience, this monthly adventure experience was formative for them in whatever career that they went into. I love those little tidbits of memory. Uh, a lot of people on, on this on this show talk about, you know, the impact that Philmont has on people and how it is kind of, you know, unending and like you said, formative. So I always love to hear that that's obviously, you know, also true for the participants, especially in your unique situation, being the first female girl rangers out there at the ranch. I should, I, I want to try to find the article that they did at Miners, the Miners camp. That would be fun to read. Is it, do you know if it's out there easy to find? Yeah. I was able to find it and they got all the facts wrong. You know, yeah, all of the course. People's ages were wrong and the oh names my gosh. were wrong. And, you know, <laughs> but uh, there were some pictures, you know, there's yeah. a picture of Missy Johnson climbing, climbing up the tree with the ropes and everything. Sort of switching gears here. Uh, obviously, today Scouts is co-ed. You know the gender barriers have come down. They've, you know, mm-hmm. BSA has lots going on. But um, there's also the Girl Scouts, which um, I think there's something to say for you know an opportunity to learn learn the benefits of the outdoors through an all-girl group. I don't think yeah. that's bad, um, and I think it's good for boys too to have that opportunity to do something with an all-boy group, um, and then everyone in between. So, any thoughts there, just from your perspective today? Um, you know, I think it's great that um, the girls can come into Boy Scouts because um, tr- traditionally it's had a better um, outdoors program than the Girl Scouts have. Uh, it, it also gives them the opportunity to be Eagle Scouts. And that is something that, you know, when an 18 year old boy or 17 year old boy applies to college, he says, I'm an Eagle Scout. And that means something. And it, girls were not given that opportunity. So I do think it's the fact that the barriers are coming down and it's just being called scouting is good. Um, that being said, I do think the all-female experience is uh, super good. Um, you know, I went to college and it was the, I went to Wake Forest University and the last year they had all-female d- dorms or maybe the next to last year. And um, I loved that experience. It was a lot like Girl Rangers, you know, you just didn't have to dress up for anybody. Uh you didn't have to worry about what you had to say. So I do think this uh, all-female all like summer camp experience is great. So I, I would hope that through the scouting program that there always will be an opportunity for all-female or all-male or 
mixed um, so that you have you have a choice. And I do hope that scouting survives. It's up against a lot of headwinds right now, um, some bad history, kids that are doing other things other than scouting. And but it is it is a great option for a lot of kids. It is a different world than it was 50 years ago. And uh, 50 years ago, we were breaking barriers. We were doing things that women didn't do. I, I like to remember that in the year that the Girl Rangers started, it was the same year that the Mary Tyler Moore came, Moore, Mary Tyler Moore show came on television. And that was a moment in television history where um, it was about a woman in the workplace. And we think that's crazy right now to think that back then that that was something unusual. Um, but I remember watching the Mary Tyler Moore show and realizing they were all kinds of options uh, for, for women. Um, my mother had quit work the day she got engaged and never worked again, you know? Um, so it, it was, it was a fascinating, it was a fascinating time to live through. And, and today, gosh, people have such busy lives and, and people just seem to be more worried about their children than my parents were. It was like, you know, here, get on the bus. We'll see you in three days. <laughs> right. So um, I'm grateful to have lived during the period that, that I did, that uh, we had supervision, but we didn't have a ton of supervision. And so we had to take care of ourselves a lot of times and, and uh, buck each other up and, uh, so, so today it's a, it's a different world and, um, but I'm happy to know that there are people like Ryan, who you talked about a little while ago, who uh, went to Philmont and now has making sure that his, uh, children are in scouting. Um, one of, um, one of the girl rangers that still lives here in Spartanburg is a woman named Lisa Shingler and Lisa runs, uh, scouting troop here in Spartanburg. She is the um, leader of the this, this scout troop here. So, you know, it, it was so, the experience was so important to Lisa that she uh, wants to share it with other young women. You know, it, everything goes on and I assume Philmont uh, will, will go on for, for a while. And that makes me super happy. I'd like to go back there someday and, and, you know, see these things that I saw a long time ago with, with new eyes and um, be reminded of, you know, the peaks in the river that we walked down the forks of the rivers. I remember that we did some long, long hikes. We actually did a 17 mile hike one day. Whoa. Um, yes. We walked 17 miles one day. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember being so dirty. I was just, uh, I was just so dirty. That trip. Um, <laughs> sweaty and everything else. And the, we were wearing those silly track suits that, you know, we had to roll up the legs. I do think that we were allowed to take some shorts with us, but we, we wore those track suits and we rolled up the legs. Well, that's pretty far, far afield from, from the question you asked me. No, so. it's fine. I, I think you need to get back there. Yeah, you should. Um, I was just there uh, part of a, the Philmont Staff Association uh, was hosting a reunion actually for celebrating 50 years of female rangers, female staff rangers, uh, in conjunction with 50 years of um, 
Air Force Academy Rangers. So it was really, this is very timely to be chatting with you. And it was, every time I go back to Philmont, since being on staff, you know, it's different and you feel that impact rebound, but in a different way. And it continues to grow you and you see your friends and you meet new friends. And it's just, it's this community of um, like this positive feedback loop. And it's just a really beautiful space to be in physically and mentally. And so I do hope that you can get back there. Maybe that's where you could kick off your book or meet up with one of the girl rangers there together and see it again. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, we never went back. I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe we just couldn't get everybody to schedules to conform or something. But that was just that one time. Well, I'm glad you went that one time because that's a pretty (laughs) impactful moment in history there. Yeah. Sometimes I close my episodes with a final question or kind of a fun final thought. So in the Scouts and in other outdoor communities, there's um, the 10 essentials that you carry with you when you're hiking. And I like to ask interviewees, like, do you have an 11th essential, whether that's something physical, a tool or something that you carry with you when you're hiking, or whether it's a a value or something spiritual that you keep with you uh, mentally as you hike on? Okay, to ponder this a moment? Yes, please do. I'm in no hurry. Okay, because we, uh, you know, uh, I still do a ton of hiking. We're leaving next next week to go to uh, the Bonavista Peninsula of Newfoundland for hiking. And then we're going to the Azores for hiking uh, in October. And we went to Kauai and did lots of beautiful hikes up the the peaks over there. That was great. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm, je- I'm jealous. <laughs> um, you know, you know, I'm 64 years old and I realized I have, you know, maybe X number of years left and I better start packing it in at this point. Um, <laughs> Good for you. To get all those, those hikes done. And my husband's a paddler, so we don't do whitewater, but we, we do a lot of river paddling. Yeah. Still. I, I guess, you know, memories of taking memories with you is something important so that, uh, you know, you get some depth to the experience of, you know, I remember when I was, you know, this looks like a place that I've been to before. And and where was that? Oh yeah. Let me think of all the stories that, that happened there. Um, so I think taking, um, memories of all the great outdoor experiences that you, have logged uh, with you gives some gives depth to the present experience. That was beautiful. I love that. I have not had that answer yet on the show. Ooh. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Right. You got, yeah. Question. Question. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I do also ask, you know, if you have any nominations for people to be on the show, but since this is kind of a different relationship, I don't know if anyone comes yeah. to mind. Probably not. It's the, you know, these guys that were with us, have you, the, the, the three Rangers that were with us were named Dennis Gilpin, Roger Rowlett and Ed Jensen. So uh, maybe you could find those guys and uh, get some really early experiences. And so these these gentlemen you listed, those were your rangers at Philmont. Those are our rangers at Philmont in 1973. Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay, I'll try to track them down. That's awesome. Okay, I, 
Betsy, thank you. This has been like a lot of fun. Thanks for making the time for it. And um, have fun on all your journeys ahead and bringing the memories with you. So, Well, well thank you. And, um, you know, there well over 100, maybe 200 women passed through the Girl Rangers in those years. And every one of them could have spent an hour with you or more. You know, everybody's got different memories and you have to put them all together to get the quilt that is the real story of the Girl Rangers. Uh, I regret that somehow I, I have ended up spokesperson for the Girl Rangers for a lot of these national interviews because of this one piece I wrote, because I have so much respect for the stories and attitudes and uh, accomplishments of all the women who were there, young women who were there with me. Thank you.